Well, if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul's writing here to the church in Corinth, and he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 20,000, 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? For there is one bread, and we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Amen. How many of you know who I'm talking about when I reference Prince Philip, uh, the husband of Queen Elizabeth? But I want to tell you something about Prince Philip that you do not know. Prince Philip is a god. Prince Philip is a god. Well, okay, actually, he has become an idol worshipped by many on an island nation in the South Pacific. Absolutely true. Uh, Albi, 
one of the many islanders who worship Prince Philip regularly prays to Prince Philip, awaiting his return, quote, unquote, to establish a new world order in which, quote, fish will leap from the sea and life will become eternal. Now, Albi is not the only one to worship Prince Philip. Several hundred others on this small island in the South Pacific do so as well. Here in Tana, one says, we believe that Prince Philip is the son of our God, our ancestral God who lives up in the mountain, says Islander Nako. Albi and Nako are both members of an active cult known as the Prince Philip Movement. Now, this cult began in the 1960s, but it gained a real boost of popularity in 1974 when Prince Philip and Elizabeth visited their island aboard their royal yacht. Now, though the prince, as we know, is now 99 years old, the movement's followers have not lost hope in his return saying that even if he dies, he could still return in spirit and grant them eternal life. For these people, Prince Philip is the one who can deliver them and lead them into the good life they long for. Amazing, true, true thing, true thing. Hard to believe. But it tells us that idolatry is alive and well in our world. And it's not just isolated to some small South Pacific island or or some group of primitive tribes people in the the wilds of the jungle somewhere in the Amazonian jungle. Uh, It's actually active even in our own land. I mean, have you ever been talking with somebody and and they're talking about their, their business and they'll say a comment like, oh man, this company is my life. Or I've been talking with, uh, with, with parents or, or, or some men who say, you know, my family. My family is my life. You know, most important thing for me. Uh, or I certainly, you know, I have seen uh, others, football players, uh, say, you know, football. Football is my life. I don't know where, what, what accent that is. I, I don't, you just pretend it's from someplace. You know, football is my life. Uh, or, you know, even today, you know, with some, some people, they can say, Instagram is my life. You know, being, being an influencer or whatever, that, that's my life. Uh, and, you know, all of these are examples of idolatry. Now, obviously, nothing's wrong with our companies or our, our sports uh, or our families or even being an influencer uh, in social media. I mean, all those things can be good, but all of those things can actually become idols, And not only can those things become idols, and many other things in our lives become idols, but the pandemic has actually given rise to or or exposed new idols which people have decided to trust for their deliverance from the pandemic and to give them the good life. Now the challenge is that following these idols will never give us what we want. They will never give us the good life. In fact, if we are practicing idolatry in any way, shape, or form, that idolatry will prevent us 
from moving into the good life that God has for us. It will prevent us from uh, forgetting the normal and diving into the different that God has planned for us and for our world. And so we really need to take this seriously because it's there. As John said at the very end of his letter, 1 John, he said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Paul, writing here to the church in Corinth, uh, was talking about idols. Even in 1 Thessalonians, he talks about idols. Idolatry is a very, very big issue. In fact, it is one of the biggest issues on the heart of God. And so we really need to take it seriously. Now to do that, first, we need to know how, how do you identify an idol? How do you know what an idol is? Well, uh, an idol, first of all, is any god other than the triune god of the Bible. You know, so if you're worshiping uh, Buddha as a god, that's an idol. Uh, and by the way, it doesn't even have to be a god, it can be you know, just the person that you follow. Uh, if you're worshiping one of the Hindu gods, that's an idol. Uh, so there are a lot of gods that are in existence. They're tribal gods, and, and they're gods that are associated with certain groups of people and people groups. Those are all idols, and those are self-evidentially idols. In other words, it's pretty obvious that they're idols. But an idol is also anything to which you look for your sense of significance, security, or acceptance. If you think that uh, you will be accepted by people because you, know, you look as good as I do, then your looks become an idol. Okay, now a few people were smiling at that, so that's good, just, just in case, you know, those who are, are, are watching this can't see the smiles. Uh, I'm glad you can. If you think that you have a good job with a nice bank account, and because of that, you are protected, that bank account becomes an idol. If you think that you're important because you're the manager of a company uh, or you're a pastor or an elder or something like that, that becomes an idol. An idol is also anything to which you look to for your sense of identity. There are many people today who are, are looking to their sexuality for their sense of identity, and they find who they are not in who God has made them to be, but in the lifestyles they've chosen, and that becomes an idol for those people. But importantly here, an idol is anything you believe can deliver you and restore to you or give you the good life, however you want to define the good life. And that's where the idols of COVID, the gods of COVID, have begun to emerge because there are, are certain idols that people have begun to follow because they think that these idols can deliver us from the mess we're in and give us the good life or restore to us the way it was before, which many people have defined as the good life. We need to understand all idols require sacrifices. But those idols often do not tell you what the sacrifice is until it's too late to turn away. Now, so we need to be watching out. I'm going to suggest some of those, but I can't suggest all of them. 
So we really need to identify idols. And I want to talk about, very briefly, four idols of COVID, or four gods of COVID, that have really emerged in the last six months. Now, they were there before, but they've really emerged. Now, I want to point out very clearly, the things I'm going to mention are not inherently idols. In fact, everything that I will mention here, to some degree, has an element of a gift of God to humanity. But many times we can worship those things that God has given us, like our family, so that our family becomes an idol, or our job, so that our job becomes an idol. So don't hear me say that these things are inherently bad. And I'm also going to mention some people, and mentioning people in this context I'm not being critical of them. So I want to say those things very, very clearly for us. Uh, So the mention of the things uh, doesn't mean that they're bad, and the mention of the people doesn't mean I'm being critical of them. Uh, Again, an idol is what people do to these things and these people, not the things of the people themselves all the time. Okay, does that make sense? All right, now let me, with those, all those caveats, let me identify uh, some of the idols of COVID. The first one I want to mention is the government. Government has become an idol for many people. Now, how has it become an idol? Because many people start to believe that it's the government's responsibility to protect me and to protect the nation from COVID to provide for my daily needs, and to ensure that I maintain a good standard of living. They look to the government for these things. Now, to be sure, the government has some responsibilities in these areas under God, but there are many people who believe that, uh, and they don't always say it so boldly, but they believe that it's the government's responsibility to deliver us from the times that we're in and to help us to provide for us so that we have a good life together as a people. And when we start to look at that, the government in that way, the government becomes an idol. And like many idols, uh, the the idol of government has some high priestesses in our world today. I can think of three high priestesses of the idol of government, and again, it's not a criticism of these people, one would be Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland. You know, you look at that and how people tend to to hang on her every word there. Another one would be Angela Merkel uh, in Germany, in Deutschland. Uh, Another might be Jacinta Ardern down in New Zealand. I mean, these can become quite quickly like the high priestess of these idols that speak on behalf of the idols and almost communicate sometimes when people have idolized government, the way that they speak then makes it sound like the God of government is speaking through them. And it becomes an idol. Now like all idols, the God of government does require sacrifices. If you really want to trust in the God of government, you have to sacrifice your, your privacy. You have to sacrifice your money in terms of taxation. You have to sacrifice as well your sense of responsibility for your own life and, the con- and a lot of the control 
over some of the more important aspects of your life. Think about some of the debates around schools and whether or not that they should open and how we will behave in lockdowns and things like that. And I'm not saying lockdowns are necessarily bad, but there are sacrifices. If you think government's going to deliver you, that will require sacrifices of you. Now, if for anybody who's been watching, the idol of government has already been exposed as a weak and false idol. I mean, government has not protected anybody, really, from the coronavirus. The one examples is New Zealand, but even New Zealand has seen the virus come back in. The economy, the global economy, the governments have not been able to control that. Economic disparity is increasing and will continue to increase rapidly. And the government is actually using, in some respects, dishonest weights and measures, something the Bible calls an abomination, in order to try to control the economy. So we can see And in some nations, we see more clearly than others how the God of government is a false God, a false idol. Government is good, but government will not deliver us and provide for us the good life, nor is that government's responsibility. Now, there's a second idol here, and it's the idol of science. Now, science is good. Uh, I, I love science. I'm very interested in science, uh, and uh, it's, I think science is quite amazing. I've been reading a lot of scientific papers the last six months, much more than I've ever read before. But science becomes an idol when we start trusting that science and scientists will deliver us by providing vaccines and treatments for COVID that will enable us to return to a normal life and have prosperity. And many people hang their hopes on science. I hear this all the time. Well, you know, the scientists, they're going to come up with a vaccine. The vaccine will deliver us out of the, the dangerous grips of COVID and enable us to get back to life. And science, like everything else, has its high priests. Uh, in the United Kingdom, the high priest is probably Professor Chris Whitty. Uh, in the United States, and more clearly so in the United States, a guy named Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, if you've seen him, and a lot of people have sung his praises, and he, by all accounts, he's a, he's, a, he's a decent man, but there are people who hang on their every word as if they're speaking for this idol, they're the mouthpiece for this idol. Now, science, like every other god, like every other idol, requires sacrifices of us. If you follow the God of science, ultimately you have to sacrifice all claims of truth outside of science. In other words, if you bow to the idol of science, then ultimately any truth, like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by Him, that's not a scientific statement. And so it has to be rejected accordingly, according to the God of science. Uh, we have to sacrifice any hope uh, of any kind of destiny that's outside the bounds of this knowable universe, forgetting that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, We also will see, if we're worshiping science, we will see the politicization of science, as we have seen already. Science becomes a political issue so that 
people and government saying we're following the science. But that's not really what people are following. They're following the politics of the science in this day. They're not following the science. And we'll see a little bit more why in just a moment. And ultimately, if you follow science as a God and you put your hope of deliverance in science, then ultimately you reduce life to the exercise of power as the means of leadership. So in other words, the person who has the power, who has the information, will be the leader, will be the one who's in control. And everybody who tries to rise up against that power will be oppressed violently. Now again, science has already been exposed as a false god. It's, science is good as a God-given discipline, but it is terrible as an idol that people follow. Uh, and we've seen the false god of science. Right now, we have unmatched global cooperation among scientists. There has never been a time in history when so many scientists around the globe have been cooperating, and yet we still have no vaccine. And it's not likely that we will have a vaccine soon, maybe another year or so, but it's not likely that we will have a safe vaccine soon. And yet, with all the scientists cooperating, we still, there's still more that we don't know about COVID than we do know about COVID. Now, all of the, the speculation about how COVID spreads is still speculation. They are hypotheses, they're not proven theories. And we're only now beginning to build up some of the data that we would need. And even many people have already said that they would resist taking a vaccine. And in that moment, you will start to see the exercise of power if governments feel like the vaccine is essential for opening up, people will be forced to take a vaccine. And ultimately, in science, we sacrifice the value of human life. Although many scientists, uh, again, who are, uh, again, this is when science is a god, not science in general. When science is a god, ultimately human life takes on less and less value. Then there's a third idol of our day. And science is good, but not when we look to science for our deliverance and the provision for us to have the good life. There's a third God in our day, and that's the God called technology. Now again, like the everything else, technology is good. I love tech. Uh, we're, we're thankful for the technology that we have right now that connects us all over London and, and even other places in the world. But technology becomes a God when we start believing that the hope for humanity rests in technology. Whether it's the preservation of our economy through tech stocks, uh, the prevention of disease by using track and trace, uh, or the protection of our former way of life, like using Zoom to try to hold on to what we've had in the past, for example. Now technology has a lot of high priests today uh, but the one that really springs to my mind quite clearly is Elon Musk because he's one of the guys who really talks about this so much and sees a lot of the hope for, for the deliverance of humanity in technology. In technology. 
And technology, if you follow technology as a god, once again, it requires sacrifices. You sacrifice your privacy. We've already sacrificed our privacy to technology. We just don't realize it yet. But we've already sacrificed our privacy to technology. It requires it. You sacrifice your money. And probably the biggest sacrifice that technology requires is your attention. Your attention is perhaps your most precious commodity that you have as a human being. And technology, if you follow it as a god, it requires all or as much as possible of your attention. Now, obviously, we've already seen technology as a god exposed as a false god. Track and trace has not been uh, uh, successful in, in most countries. The only place where it has been are countries that uh, have certain cultural values that support the idea of track and trace. Tech stocks will not carry the economy. They have been for a number of years, but they will not carry the economy indefinitely. They cannot carry the economy indefinitely. And many people are putting their hopes in tech stocks and are taking their money and pouring them into tech stocks, which has made wealthy people wealthier and poorer people poorer, and increase that disparity gap. Technology is great as a gift from God, but it is terrible as an idol, as an idol, as a demon god. And then there's a fourth god of COVID that really has emerged more and more. Again, it's been there all the time. And it's the God of self. The God of self. The God of self happens when we start believing that I have all I need to deliver myself and protect myself from the current situation and that I am fully in control of my own destiny. I have everything I need to protect myself and I am fully in control of my own destiny. And with the God of self, when you follow the God of self, when you make yourself the arbiter of everything, either you will think, I can do whatever I want to do, which is called license, or I will set rules for myself and for the world around me, which is a form of legalism. So if we follow the God of self, we fall into license or legalism. And if you want to know the high priest or the high priestess of the God of self, look in the mirror. Because that's what we'll show you. That's what we'll show you. Now obviously, God has created us. He has given us our identity. He has given us our personality. He has given us who we are. And so we, we can embrace that. We can love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's a holy thing but we can also begin to elevate ourselves so that we become the one who is in charge. We become the arbiter of truth for us. We say, well, you know, it's whatever I believe that's important. And you can believe whatever you believe, and that becomes the God of self. And there's a great illustration of the God of self. Uh, It was in the news here recently. There was a student in Ohio, in the United States, who had a house party. Now, the student had tested positive for COVID. 
Okay, he's got a house party of other students. He's tested positive for COVID. The police officers called, the police are called out. The police officer comes. He checks this guy's ID and he ran it through the police database. And he made the surprising discovery uh, that the host had tested positive for coronavirus. So he says, he says to, the, to the guy, he says, I've never seen this before. There's an input on the computer that you tested positive for COVID. That's what the officer says. And the student confirms this, revealing that uh, he had, had received the diagnosis just a week before that he was positive for COVID. The officer says, aren't you supposed to be quarantining? The guy says, yeah, that's why I'm at my house. The officer says, so you have other people here and you're positive for COVID. You see the problem. How many other people have COVID? The officer asks. The, the student initially says, well, everybody does. And then he kind of backtracks, says, well, okay, there's only two of us that, that have it. And the police officer says with exasperation, that's what we're trying to prevent, man. We're trying to keep this town open. I know, the student replies, that's why I'm staying at my house. True story. It's somebody worshiping, worshiping the God of self. Now the required sacrifice, if you're going to worship yourself, you'll have no knowledge of God. You will lose authentic relationships and connections. And you'll only have those that are instrumental for yourself. Your life will be reduced to living for pleasure and self-fulfillment. But obviously, the God of self has already been exposed as false. You know, even with all of our abilities, even as the people God has created us to be, we cannot deliver ourselves and we cannot bring ourselves the good life. It's something that only God can do for us. With all of our power and our ability, we cannot deliver ourselves from time and from chance. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 9:11, one of my favorite verses, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle for the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. And that's true. That's true. We are all subject to these things. Now these gods of COVID, they also have a number of new religious practices. And again, all of these aren't necessarily bad, but if you're following a god of COVID, they become destructive in your life. One of the great new religious practices is washing your hands. Good hygiene. I mean, we've joked about that when we've done the Lord's Supper here. Maybe I should stop joking about that. Because it's become a ritual. And it's, it's very interesting how I'm observing many people now in a very unthinking way. Every time they see hand sanitizer, they squirt it and they sanitize their hands. And I've watched some people sanitize their hands two or three times in a very quick succession, not having any other contact with their hands. So they haven't touched anything but they keep sanitizing their hands. 
You see, for some people, that religious activity can make us paranoid and anxious and apprehensive. Uh, Or there's physical distancing, in which case social distancing is more apropos, where people are actually distancing themselves not only physically but also socially from others. And it becomes a religious thing that becomes destructive. Or we see consumption emerging again here. You know, with people in government saying, get out and buy, 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 and build back the economy. That's a religious activity, and you think that maybe that's going to restore the economy, but it doesn't. Or you see a new legalism that's emerged, where people have been making up rules to augment the rules that are there uh, already with the government. We've talked about that before. Protest has become another religious activity so that we can protest anything now in any way we want to protest. We don't have to do it civilly or in a way that honors or respects other people. And one of the biggest things that we've seen, and you're going to see a lot more, is persecution of those who don't worship these idols. If you don't stand before, bow before the idol of government or the idol of science, the idol of technology, uh, the idol of self, you will be challenged and persecuted. And we've already seen that emerging uh, in many places around the world. So we have these idols and they're around us and we need to be alert to these idols and make sure that we don't bow down to these idols. But the real question for us as Christians And the real important issue is that how do we live as Christians in a land filled with idolatry? Because idolatry is nothing new. It's been there. In fact, some of these have been idols even before COVID, but they've taken on a renewed prominence with COVID. So how do we? How do we live as Christians in the midst of this? Well, first of all, I'll make a few suggestions. First of all, We must maintain God's perspective on these things. We must have God's perspective about government, which is good. It's a good gift from God. About science, which again is a good gift from God. About technology, which is a good gift from God. About who we are, which is, you know, you are a gift from God. You are a gift from God. We need to maintain God's perspective on these things so that they don't become idols, but they serve as, as the blessing that God intended them to be. Because God intends government to be a blessing, science to be a blessing, technology to be a blessing, and He intends you to be a blessing. So we need to have God's perspective. Second thing, we must repent of idolatry. If you've recognized anything in your, in your heart, maybe you think, well, you know, I was looking to the government and thinking it was the government's responsibility to protect me. If that's been in your heart, you need to turn away from it. Any idol that the Lord reveals to you, you need to repent. You need to say, God, I realize now I've made this a bit of an idol in my life, or I've made it a big idol in my life, and I reject it as an idol, and I turn back to you, and I will worship you alone. And we also need to renounce false gods, even those that are not ones that we've been following personally as demons. We need to renounce false gods. It's one of the reasons we sing that song, No Other Gods, at the beginning of the service today. We're saying we will not have any other gods. 
So we are not bowing down to this demon god. We are not bowing down to government as God in our lives. We're not bowing down to science as a god in our lives. We're not bowing down to the gods of Hinduism as a god in our lives. We're not bowing down to these. That's renouncing them. The third thing, we need to affirm that and live like every life matters because every person is created in the image of God and is a person for whom Jesus Christ died. In your life, in your interactions, you need to live like every life matters. You know, it doesn't matter if somebody is following an idol, their life matters. doesn't matter if somebody has uh, a lifestyle different than yours, their life matters. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're on the other side of the world, their life matters. It's one of the things that breaks our heart. You know, we look at the, the TV, we follow the news, and we see, you know, these people suffering. We see the, the, the migrants in the camp in Lesbos that had the fire here. We see all these things going on, and it breaks our hearts, and it should break our hearts. And we need to cry out to God when we see that, God, have mercy, have mercy here. Doesn't mean you're going to fix everything. Because if you start taking responsibility and say, okay, I need to, to fix this, I can do something about this, uh, and you start taking that on yourself, then you start to worship yourself, and you need to be careful of that. But we need to do what we can. Many times all we can do is pray, in that moment cry out to God. But in our lives, we must live like every single life matters. That every single death diminishes us. That every person who dies outside of Christ is a tragedy because they will spend an eternity of separation from God. And that must be in our lives. And when we feel overwhelmed, and I guarantee you, you will feel overwhelmed from time to time, you got to offer that up to God. I remember a time about 20, oh gosh, uh, God only knows how many years ago. I've been here almost 19 years. This week on uh, the 15th to be my 19th anniversary at City Temple. Uh, and so probably 10 years before that, maybe 29 years ago. So a long time ago. I was in Chicago working on my doctorate. And I just felt like I was on my own for, for, uh, in an unusual way. Uh, Karen wasn't there. Uh, and so I just felt like I would just drive around Chicago. And Chicago is a very, very big place, kind of about the size of London, geographically. Uh, and so I started driving around, and the Lord just, all of a sudden, I just was overwhelmed with the weight of the humanity and the sinfulness uh, and the brokenness uh, and all the people that were around me. Uh, you know, uh, numbers about the same as would be in London, uh, few or less, few less. But it just, I was just about to break me, and I, I was just close to weeping, and the pressure just about overwhelmed me. Uh, and I just had to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord! And He lifted that from me, and He showed me that there's no way I can bear that. But He also showed me that Jesus Christ bore that on the cross. Every life matters because every life is someone for whom Jesus Christ died. The next thing, we need to produce, to serve, and to give as our primary economic activities, making sure that we're working hard. 
Our goal in the economy is to produce, to serve others, and to give as much as we can as a contribution to the economy. Resist the temptation to consume, consume, consume. Produce, serve, and give. That's what we're called to as Christians. And that's how we can make a contribution to our economy. We need to seek God for the provision of our lives. Seek God for our provision because God's the only one that can provide. One of the amazing things has been City Temple and how God has so sovereignly provided for us during this season, and not only during this season, but for the next couple of years. And that's God's provision for us. It's not something that I worked for. It's not something you worked for. We can't give uh, even to begin to match what God has provided for us over the next couple of years to get us through a very dark time in the global economy. That's God's provision. And we've got to trust God for that provision. Trust God for our provision. We need to celebrate our union with Christ Jesus and with one another in Christ Jesus. Paul was really emphasizing that in this text. We need to remember that we are one in Christ and we are one with Christ. Christ is in us. We are in Christ if, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ because He died on the cross and rose from the dead for you. If you've surrendered your life to Him, He has united Himself with you and united you with Him and united you with each one of us. And we are together in Christ. And we need to celebrate that. If we always remember our unity with Christ, it will help us to resist idols because there's no idol that begins to measure to the glory and greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the supreme desire of our lives. Jesus Christ in Himself is the one who delivers us. And Jesus Christ is the one who gives us the good life as He promised, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it abundantly. And it comes as we celebrate who we are in Christ, who Christ is in us, and who we are together in Christ. And that leads us to the last and the most important. We must worship God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Worship God and God alone. There is no other God but our God. There is no other God but the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is no other God. And we need to surrender our lives fully and freely day after day to Him. And as we implement these things, we will resist idolatry. More importantly, as we implement these things, we'll be able to forget about that normal behind us and dive into the different that God has for our future, knowing that it will reflect God's goodness, God's love, and God's grace in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you, we honor you, and we worship you. And we thank you for your goodness to us. God, show us in our hearts and our minds if we have any idols and let us get rid of them no matter what they are. Let us get rid of them. Father, we choose to follow you alone through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You are our God. And we renounce, as a church, we renounce every other God. We renounce every other idol. And we will stand true and faithful to you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As a church, let us live in a way that demonstrates your deliverance. Let us live in a way that shows the life you give is the good life. Let us live in a way that brings glory and honor to Jesus. For we pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now let's join once again in worshiping the Lord. sanctuary and you want to stand, feel free to do so.